today on CityCast Madison. It's happening. The yearly shift at your local drugstore towards red and pink hues and heart-shaped chocolates. Valentine's Day is next week. And despite the holiday's dubious origins and tendency to stir any number of emotions in us, we're gonna honor love in all its forms. Friends, lovers, self. We'll offer you things to do, places to go, and advice for how to deal with next week, no matter where you're standing. To kick us off, Sammy Schelk, UW-Madison Professor of Gender and Women's Studies and Pleasure Practices columnist for Tone Madison. It's Monday, February 6th. I'm Bianca Martin, and this is CityCast Madison, the podcast that gets local. Sammy, hello. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Um, Well, so this is an exciting part of our Valentine's Day series. What do you make of Valentine's Day as a concept? Yeah, I think that obviously there's a lot of consumerist capitalist issues um, with Valentine's Day, but that also applies to like everything in our world, right? (laughs) So (laughs) I don't think it's exclusive to Valentine's Day. I think it just gives people an additional kind of squick when it's, you know, about purchasing or paying for something to symbolize love. But for me, the biggest critique that I have of Valentine's Day is the emphasis on romantic love. I really like to think of it as a time to express love and care for a whole bunch of people, including yourself. So that is something that, I try to bring into my experience of it. Um, I think my understanding of Valentine's Day also has shifted with one of my partners just like really adores the kitsch of Valentine's Day, you know, the Mm -hmm. aesthetic of it. And so kind of leaning into the aesthetic, but again, um, not just emphasizing romantic partner kind of love. Yes. Well, I love that. And I'm, I love that we're starting with you in this series because I totally agree. Uh, despite all the baggage, it is a wonderful thing to celebrate love <laughs> and in its many forms. A type of activism that you embrace is called pleasure activism. And you write a lot about it and it is, it's exciting, maybe a newer phrase for some. Can you define what that is? Yeah, so for me, the concept of pleasure activism comes from the work of Adrienne Marie Brown and her book, Pleasure Activism, which I have an essay in. And it was through being involved with that book that I was exposed to this concept. And the idea of pleasure activism operates on a couple of levels. It essentially thinks that pleasure is a political issue. And it's a political issue because for many marginalized people, our pleasure, our joy is shamed, it's policed, it's pathologized, it's denied, right? So if we think about queer folks and trans folks having our love and our gender expression being denied the pleasure of that, um, it being criminalized, policed, I think about there was a couple of years ago, pandemic time, maybe more than a couple at this point, there was a few years ago, there were these black women that were on a wine train in Sonoma and they got kicked off the train because some white women complained that they were laughing too loud, right? So the way that our joy and our pleasure gets policed, who has access to pleasure, who does not, who's encouraged to have pleasure, who doesn't, whose pleasures are called guilty pleasures, right? All of these things um, help us 
us understand the way that pleasure is connected to politics. So that's one aspect. Pleasure activism is really about encouraging particularly marginalized and oppressed people to embrace pleasure, to not feel shame about taking pleasure in our day-to-day life. And that doesn't mean it has to be expensive, uh, paid for pleasure, right? But just really leaning into that and finding the joy in our day-to-day life, making space for that, and learning to not police other people's joy, right? And then the other part of pleasure activism is the idea that we should bring that pleasure and that joy into our movement work. So I think about in the 2020 uprisings that sometimes we would be on the square and there would be music and there would be food, right? We would have these ways of bringing joy and bringing pleasure into the work of creating change and being resistant to the various things that were occurring at the time and are still occurring. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. I I just love this concept so, so much. And I think I, everything that can be done to spread the word that it can be a part of taking care of yourself. The now somewhat famous quote from Audre Lorde, caring for myself is not self-indulgence. It is self-preservation. And that is an act of political warfare. So just all the things that you were just sharing. And uh, in that effort and more, you write a monthly pleasure practice column for Tone. I love them and have, and you've written a couple on Valentine's Day specifically around the month of February. I was hoping that you'd be able to recommend some of the things that you talked about. Like, what would you recommend spending time doing around Valentine's Day through that lens of pleasure activism? Yeah, so last year for the column, I wrote about various ways to show love and appreciation for people. I often lean into like our childhood experiences. So things like hand making a Valentine for some friends, some people that you care about, um, making a delicious dinner, going out to dinner if you don't have the cooking skills, you know, um, these things can be relatively small, but ways of really showing that that care. Um, it can be as simple as sending a text message to someone and just being like, hey, I'm thinking about you. Here's something I really appreciate about you, about you being in my life, right? It's really just making the effort to show love and appreciation for the people around you in a variety of ways. So yeah, gifts can don't have to be expensive purchase gifts. You can make something, you can send a text message, you can make a little meme that you send somebody. Um, there's Ooh, lots like of that. ways to show that love and, and appreciation. Oh, yeah. I think the people <laughs> who make memes are so creative. So if someone yes. like makes you a custom meme, like, excellent, excellent. Uh, oh, my gosh. I, I hope someone hears that. <laughs> I love it. Something that also stood out for me from that article was you'd written, when you increase your capacity to give and receive love, you increase your capacity for pleasure. You shared some of the actions that we can do, you know, for ourselves and also for people in our lives, like making a nice dinner and sharing, you know, making a meme. But what about, you know, focusing inwards on ourselves and that sort of like pleasure in that way? I think a big part of pleasure activism that Adrienne Marie Brown talks about is learning to find that enthusiastic yes in your body. Um, One of the things that accessing pleasure does for us is it allows us to know when we feel that thing that's like, oh, yeah, this feels good. Because what feels good to me and what's pleasurable to me is totally different for other people. 
I think about like really sporty people. Like that's not, that's not pleasure for me. That's not good for me. But for somebody else, that's like the best, most enthusiastic yes in their body when they get to do that. So the more that we tap into our pleasure, the more we're able to know what that enthusiastic yes feels like. And then we know what to say no to when we don't feel those things. So for me, leaning into that looks like, for me, taking a bath, it looks like making food that's nostalgic. I really like tapping into food that brings memories for me. Recently, my sister, we're Jamaican, um, taught me how to make curry like, like she makes it. So when I make that, it makes me think of, you know, my sister and my family. So thinking about what's the things that really bring you joy. For me, I also really like novelty and doing like silly or new things. Last year, I bought a snow tube that shaped like a unicorn. And I was like, I'm going to go snow tubing on this unicorn. (laughs) I never actually went because then I was like, you're old and you're definitely going to get hurt. But it was very cute to have around. (laughs) Um, So whatever that is, just thinking about what's something that would make me happy, what would feel good right now. And starting to keep track of those things to think like, okay, this is something. I like to buy myself flowers. I like flowers around the house. So whatever that looks like for you, really leaning into it. And again, that might not be expensive. That might be going outside and making a snowman as an adult, like whatever Mm -hmm. it is that you're like, this is fun to me. This brings me joy. I think about people who make really silly snowmen and then it's just like outside for, you know, a while in this weather (laughs) that it's going to be sitting out there with your silly little snowman. Yeah. I don't know if you would be able to talk about embodiment of almost being afraid of of feeling good or just your body is like numb from trauma. Many folks are on their computers for a lot of the day. For me in the past several years, I've been focused on figuring out how do I get back into my body? So when I was thinking about some of the practices that would make bring me pleasure, like I've gotten into crystals recently <laughs> in the yeah. past few years and just like hold like I holding them and this sort of sensory thing was bringing me into myself and bringing the sort of profound sense of joy. Could you talk a little bit about that about being in the body? There's a couple things I would say. One is our culture is very puritanical, right? It says that pleasure is bad. It says that pleasure is like the path to like Satan and hell. <laughs> you know, Even if you're not religious, that's where some of that root comes from, that indulging in pleasure is actually bad for you, right? Even though we know that that's not the case. Why would our bodies have this capacity if it was bad for us? We know how much the, um, the endorphins and all the hormones that get released through various pleasure practices practices are good for our bodies as opposed to the stress hormones, right? That's one thing. We really have to resist this idea that indulging in pleasure is selfish and bad um, and that we should always be working hard, right? That's like capitalism telling us that. Um, So I think that's one thing. And then the other is that we are constantly encouraged to ignore our bodies. Um, I recently read Trisha Hershey's book, um, Rest is Resistance. It's a book that came out in October. And she talks... Yes, the nap mystery. And one of the things she was talking about is how even as little kids, right, we're taught, 
you go, you can only go to the bathroom on bathroom breaks at school. Um, and so you learn to ignore the signs of your body that says, I need to pee <laughs> or I'm hungry, right? Because lunch is only in this 45 minute period. And so we are taught from a very young age because of the structures that we're put into and the institutions that we're put into to ignore and deny our body. And so the more that we get back to paying attention to be like, huh, how does this feel? Do I like this? Do I not like this? It gets us back to being able to really pay attention and hopefully then respond to the things that feel good. Um, I think a lot of us, when we are uncertain about something, it's because we have lost the ability to really connect back into ourselves to be like, is this actually something I want? Is this something that feels good? And so the more we practice pleasure in these little ways, it helps us. Recently, my my younger sister enrolled in cosmetology school and she had gone to visit just to check it out. Wasn't sure she was going to sign up. And then she told me later that she got there and she did the tour and she was like, all I could feel was yes. And I was like, yes, that is good. Like when you mm-hmm. feel that, aha, yes, <laughs> this, like follow that, but also remember that because the next time you're like, I don't know, maybe yes, maybe no. Remember what that good big yes feels like and be like, okay, it's not that. So maybe I need to get more information or say no or whatever I need to do, but it's not that strong, enthusiastic yes. And I think we've lost touch with that in a lot of ways. Hallelujah. Thank God. I was really getting emotional thinking about the bathroom break. Like that's real, really, really, you know, I think denying what's happening inside. Um, And I like this idea about into a little bit of experimenting too. Like if you have become disconnected um, or even if you haven't just like paying attention to those signs. So you know what the big yes is. And I saw a recent tweet of yours calling out to your following to say, Hey, you know what? I'm planning on posting a nude online for affirmation and they might get taken down, but I don't care because I could use the affirmation right now. I was like, Oh, I love that. I immediately (laughs) went to go find you and follow you and check it out. And they were beautiful. It's a kind of fall in this category of doing something for yourself that, you know, will feel good, you know, despite what might not feel good to someone else and dare it if they doesn't, but it's not about them. It's about you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, These pictures that I post, like sometimes nude, sometimes otherwise kind of sexy or sensual photos um, for me are like, what I'm calling pleasure art um, and a practice of being a pleasure artist, which is where I try to capture through self-photography moments of real pleasure. So the photo was from when I was in Jamaica visiting family recently, um, where we stayed at a house where there was a private pool where I could skinny dip. And so I was like in the sun and just like feeling the sun on my body. And so you know, then I came back here to a lot of snow <laughs> and I was just really struggling. I was just having a hard time with the, the readjustment. And so I posted the picture in part to be like, remember how that felt, remember how that felt. But also because I do think that as a fat black woman, um, as a disabled woman, people don't often see a lot of bodies like mine um, represented in sexy or sensual kinds of ways and pleasurable ways. And so 
outside of like a fetish kind of way. And so I like to post these to, yeah, to receive information, to connect with people. We talked about how puritanical our society is and also a little bit like Midwestern reputations of being like stoic and sort of this idea of kind of veering away from pleasures. I feel like we would be remiss to not talk about like sensual pleasure, that sort of thing in this conversation. Is that ever a part of your work talking about sensual, sexual, those sorts of things? Sure. I mean, I am a queer, polyamorous, kinky person. So I post things on my page that are related to my own like sensual and sexual pleasures and just like try to really encourage that in other people. When I teach this class at UW called Disability, Sexuality and Gender, um, we read a book that's called A Quick and Easy Guide to Sex and Disability. And there's this like questionnaire in it that asks things like, and I have the students fill it out and I say explicitly, I don't want to know the answers. <laughs> this, yeah. is your own, this is just your process that I would like you to do. And then we'll talk about what it was like to fill it out. Um, but what, you know, the questions are like, how do I like to be touched? Where do I like to be touched? What kind of words do I like to hear? Like what kind of words are not good for me to hear? And just really getting people to think about, again, what gives me that enthusiastic guess? What is good for me? Because you know, the words that some people like to hear or the places and ways that some people like to be touched is going to be completely different for somebody else. And we can't expect a partner, a friend, anybody to know what we want unless we express that, right? And so it is important for me and in my teaching and in my research, um, I do research right now on pleasure spaces that are created for multiply marginalized people to really incorporate that, but to also emphasize that pleasure activism is not not exclusively about sex and sexuality. That sexual pleasure is not the only kind of pleasure we're talking about, but it definitely is one. And I do think that, again, tapping into our enthusiastic yes for things like what foods I like and what textures feel good on my body also helps us in terms of our sexual relationships to be able to, again, say, oh, is this an enthusiastic yes I'm feeling about what I'm doing or being asked to do right now. I wanted to ask too, for I guess any skeptics out there, like what would you say to- I think what I would say is to really think about who benefits from you denying yourself this pleasure. What's the, what's the benefit of this, right? If we can see clearly, here's the benefit of leaning into this pleasure. It means that I get to do this and this and that. And of course, I'm always referring to pleasure that is like not harming other people, you know? There's no loss in, in engaging with pleasure, but I think there's a lot of fear of being perceived as selfish, right? And so if we can really get down to what's the concrete thing that's bad about this? And if we really start to dig into it, like, okay, why is it bad for me to watch this show that I love that people think is silly? What's the harm? What's the bad? And I think if we really start to question that, um, it may help people to see that it's just this like cultural messaging that we've been getting. And in most instances, the pleasures that we're seeking are on non-harmful and most beneficial and denying ourselves pleasure actually it can end up being harmful to ourselves. Um, I think a lot about my friends who are parents, right, um, that really need to, like, make space for their own pleasure. Otherwise, like, job and kids take up 
everything. And at a certain point, you have nothing left to give other people. And so pleasure is another way of taking care of ourselves so that we can be better friends and lovers and parents and community members. It's really important for us to be tapped in because when we're not our authentic selves, we're saying yes to things that we don't want, which makes us resent people, which makes us like have tension. So we are better in community when we are also tapped into our own pleasure and allowing people to access pleasure as well. Amazing. Sammy, thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. That was Sammy Schulk, Associate Professor of Gender and Women's Studies at UW-Madison. She also writes a monthly pleasure practices column for Tone Madison. We will link to her Great Valentine's column from last year in our show note if you'd like to see her recommendations there. And here's what else Madison's talking about. Love. If you're thinking about what to do next week, the Madison Public Library also has some pretty great ideas for sweet dates. I mean, of course they've got movies and books of love poems, but you can also check out a record player and records to share your favorite bands together. They have those at the Central Library and the Monroe Street branch. Pretty groovy. The Penny branch off Cottage Grove Road also has these kits of real nice Fiskars scissors that you can check out and make your own Valentine's Day cards. And hey, bird nerds, they also have these birding backpacks you can get. They come with binoculars, bird books, and a guide to local birds. I'm excited about that. So you could take a friend on a hike and go bird watching, or check out a cookbook and make something new together. Lots of options. And something else I'm excited about. Tomorrow, Tuesday, February 7th, Grammy Award-winning composer and jazz singer Cecile McLaurin-Salvant will perform at the Union Theater. She's extremely swoon-worthy. I'll be there, so if you see me, feel free to say hey. And if you're looking for some great date night eats, stay tuned. Lindsay Christians of the Cap Times will be with us on Thursday to give you some saucy restaurant ideas. One last thing, we're dedicating this week to love and we want your stories. Did you ever have a date where the person literally never asked you a single question? I have, or maybe a date that changed the whole course of your life. I wanna hear your stories. Maybe you wanna shout out your sweetie, leave us a voicemail and we may play it on our Valentine's Day show. I love listening to these messages as they come in, so send them our way. You have until the end of this week, Friday the 10th. Here's our voicemail, 608-318-3367. Again, that's 608-318-3367. And we'll all be sharing ours, so don't be shy. That's all for today here on CityCast Madison. I'm Bianca Martin. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell a friend you love about the podcast? We'll be back tomorrow morning with more stories and love from around the city. Talk soon. Love.